0: luke chapter 17. while you're turning there in reference to this last song we had he god made a payment that we could never afford it was impossible outside of that how many of you have ever had to do something that you thought was completely impossible anybody <laughs> Lots of people. Good. This message ought to go well then. <laughs> we got everybody on board, alright? Uh, we all have things that we've had to do that, we, that seemed impossible. When I was 12 years old, I started working on my uncle's farm. My uncle bought the property, I believe it was at that time, 120 acres, and uh, there was just a modular home on the property. And uh, my uncle does nothing small. So he had to do everything big. He should have lived in Texas, right, because everything's bigger in Texas. Well, in Michigan, it was quite big. He got it, uh, made, made this beautiful home. But while he was doing that, there was all kinds of construction, deconstruction, all kinds of things going on. When we, when we bought the farm and he began to work on it, there were concrete pads all over the place, and they were not very well done. They were all breaking apart, so we were breaking all those up, and we were you know, doing all these different things, putting new concrete pads down, all kinds of different stuff. Well, guess what? All of that concrete, all of the rock, all of that stuff got placed into this one massive pile. One massive pile. My uncle had about 35 head of cattle when he started, so there wasn't an absolute ton of work to do. Now we stayed busy, we did a lot, but my uncle always had this one thing that we could do if we ever got bored. Again, in the middle of his yard was this massive pile. When I say massive pile, I'm talking the size of a pickup truck. Like it was big, okay? This was not just a little pile, right? This was a massive pile. And again, as I said, we're constantly changing concrete, right? So all of that concrete would then get put on top of this pile. But our job, when we were bored, was to grab a sledgehammer and start breaking up the concrete and breaking up the rocks. So literally, I'm not kidding you, I'm 12 years old, I have a 10-pound sledgehammer. We had a 15-pound sledgehammer. I, just, I could swing it like once or twice, but that was the end of it. So I had this 10-pound sledgehammer, and this is just the way we did it. We'd place one here, one here, one here, one here, one here, one here, and one here. And then just swing, and breaking it up, breaking up. One person would put, replace, and pull everything out. And I would stand there and take a breather, right? And so we just bang, knocking all these rocks out. You say, what was the purpose of that? (laughs) Just to keep us busy. No, there was a purpose. The goal was we wanted to take all of that concrete, break it up into smaller pieces, and make it a a, a, a base, a foundation for the the road that was going to go to the back of the property. Because it's going to be tractors driving all over it all the time, and so we needed a really good foundation. So we're breaking up these rocks, breaking up these rocks, and I'm not kidding you. It seemed like every day, no matter how many hours we put into it, every day that pile did not move. And the next day, we break up more concrete. And guess what? Tractor loads upon tractor loads would get put on top of the pile. And every night, didn't matter whether we were doing busy, after a while, every night for at least two hours, we would break rock and break rock and break rock just constantly over and over and over and over again. And then more would get piled on top. And more would get piled on top. Just a constant flow of rock and concrete. So maybe you had something in your child life like that. It just seemed impossible. Like you could never get to the end of it. Maybe you even felt like it was piling up even more. And the more you tried, the more effort you put in, the more it seemed to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You just feel like you just could never catch up. Now with impossible things on your mind, I want to introduce you a very sensitive yet important subject this morning. Very simply, it's just the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. Sometimes forgiveness can seem like an impossible task. Sometimes forgiveness can seem like it's a hard subject because, listen, I understand that there are passionate feelings around forgiveness. You say, Pastor Yeomans, you don't know what they did to me. You're correct. I understand. I don't. Nor do I think I want to know. Listen, I don't know what somebody's done to you, and this is why I'm going to try and keep my thoughts and my feelings out of this. I really want to start by saying I may not understand what you've gone through or are continuing to go through and so I don't want to give you any of my advice today I simply want the Bible to speak for itself So if you want to get mad at somebody you can get mad at the Lord Okay? I really want to keep myself out of this because I have opinions I have things but I've never gone through what you've gone through I've never experienced what you've experienced. And so the Bible knows, the Bible is the truth, and the truth will make us free. So I want to be able to help you see the truth today and for the Bible to speak for itself. Listen, forgiveness is hard. and Sometimes I know, I know this for a fact, sometimes it feels like somebody just keeps piling rocks on top of you. And you try to forgive and more rocks. And you try to forgive and more rocks. And you try to forgive and more rocks. And it just keeps continuing. It's this huge cycle. Luke chapter 17 begins the story. Notice in verse 1 the Bible says, Then said he, being Jesus, unto the disciples. Notice, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Verse 3. Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Oh, we love that, don't we? Well, that's my favorite part right there. Rebuke him. I get to rip him up one side and down the other. Hold on. And if he repent, here it is, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee, seven Times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted into the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you? Having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken. And afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not, meaning I don't think so. Verse 10. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants, wives, we have done that which was our duty to do. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into this passage. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be here this morning. I pray, Father, as we look at this passage that your word would ring true. Father, I've prayed all week for you to keep me out of this. And I pray that you would this morning. I pray that I would not get in the way of what your word's trying to say, that you would just give us deliverance today from this. We love you. Thank you for all you do for us, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. We may ask this question, why is hurt, excuse me, why is forgiveness even a topic? Why is forgiveness even a topic? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. I don't like forgiveness. I don't like the thought of forgiveness. Why is forgiveness even a topic in the Bible? Well, first of all, I want to give you this. Hurt is inevitable. Hurt is inevitable, right? Some of the older folks are like, yep, it's going to happen. Hurt is inevitable. I want you to notice with me Luke chapter 17 and just verse 1. The Bible says this, then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible. Just stop there. It is impossible. It is impossible. Let me say it one more time. It is impossible. What? Notice. But that offenses will come. Offenses are going to come. I hate this. I hate this so much. (laughs) I hate this so much, but this is the world we live in. Why can't we just walk through this world and not have anything hurt us? Why can't we just walk through this world and enjoy it a little bit? Right? Why can't we? Why does hurt have to be inevitable? This is what we live with this is our everyday this is our world this is our our church this is our workplace this is our home hurt is going to come whether we like it or not you say why why does hurt have to come don't miss this okay hurt is inevitable because of this we forget that we are in a battle don't miss this we forget that we are in a battle And just for the record, battles are not all cupcakes and rainbows. Have you ever been in a battle? Have you ever watched the news lately and see what's going on in Ukraine? Listen, battles are not all cupcakes and rainbows. In fact, one of the most memorable books I ever read as a kid was a, a book called Growing Up in Vietnam. I remember reading this book and thinking about the Vietnam War and you know what the Viet Cong would do the Viet Cong would set traps for people horrible traps inhumane traps in a battle there are traps the enemy is constantly setting traps to hurt maim injure and guess what kill us constantly He wants to set a trap for you. Listen, they're everywhere. Traps are going to hurt you. It's inevitable. Don't forget this. Satan is setting traps for every single one of you. And he knows exactly what trap you're going to walk into. He's digging the hole with the pit to make a pit with spikes at the bottom. He's setting up a a cord so that you'll, you'll trip over them. And set the trap off and before you know it, you're stuck. Satan is going to try to use, don't, for, don't miss this, Satan is going to try to use people against you. Satan is going to try to use people against you. Guess what? He did the same thing in Jesus' day. He did the same thing in Jesus' day. Uh, John Phillips, the commentator, wrote this. I love this. The scribes and the Pharisees were but pawns on the chessboard of time. Were they not? They were just pawns. Satan's using them to crucify Jesus. Satan's using them to get under the skin of the disciples. Satan's using Paul or Saul and saying, you go. You be zealous. You kill Christians. They were pawns. In the chessboard of times, listen, Satan will use anything he can to hurt you. Don't miss this. He will use anything he can to dissuade you from moving forward. Think about a war. Think about a trap. Guess what a trap does to you? It stops you. It keeps you from moving forward. You may get a poison arrow in the neck. Guess what? That's going to stop you from moving forward. You may fall into a pit and fall on the spikes. Guess what? That's going to stop you from moving forward. Satan wants you to stop moving forward for the cause of Christ. Some of us have been impaled by the traps of Satan. We're stuck there. Not able to move forward. Every time we breathe... There's a sharp pain in our soul. Every time we think about how in the world did I even get into this mess, we break out into a cold sweat. Our stomachs begin to turn. And no matter what we do, we're impaled. We can't move forward. We can't even imagine getting ourselves out of this. We just can't get out. Do you ever feel like forgiveness is just? impossible number two hurt is inevitable number two forgiveness is impossible you say hold on isn't this message about forgiveness why are you saying that it's impossible notice with me in verse 3 of luke chapter 17 the bible says this take heed to yourselves. if thy brother trespass against thee rebuke him again we love this part yes Oh man, I get to get it all in his face and I get to tell him how horrible of a person he is. And, this is what you did against me and you offended me and you said something I didn't like and all this stuff. and I get to rip you up one side and down the other and it's not at all what this means. Not at all. Rebuke gives the intention of saying, hey, I don't know if you knew but you did something wrong. It's It's a bringing up of a wrongdoing. By the way, truth ought to be spoken with, oh yeah.
1: You know, the funny thing is, we all know that, don't we? We all just said it. We don't often practice it, do we? This
0: rebuke is not made to destroy somebody. That's Satan's job. Don't miss this. Rebuke is made to restore somebody rebuke is not made to destroy somebody it's made to restore somebody that's the whole point point. and notice verse three and if you're rebuking him so that he will repent and if he does what does the bible say forgive him but i want you to see the impossibility of this verse four and if he trespass against thee seven times in a day the same day and seven times he turned again to the end saying i repent right that's how we all visualize this happening you hurt me and then oh i'm sorry what does the bible say thou shalt forgive him i want you to notice this biblical don't miss this biblical forgiveness is impossible to us Biblical forgiveness is impossible to us. How many of you would be willing to forgive somebody for the same thing seven times in one day? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, listen. Most wives, oh boy. Most wives can't forgive their husband leaving his clothes on the bedroom floor seven times in one day. Trust me, I know. (laughs) <laughs> I'm speaking from experience here. Most wives can't do this, let alone trying to forgive someone in the church who's hurt them. Listen. We can't forgive our spouse for something that they do on a consistent basis. But listen, how in the world are we going to ever forgive somebody in the church who just keeps doing the same thing after the same thing after the same thing after the same thing? And you know what we tell ourselves? They're Christians. They should know better. I want you to notice with me. Verse 3, take heed to yourselves if thy, what? Brother. Oh, this is a close-knit person. We call each other brother and sister because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Don't miss this. Listen, we think that Christian ought to know better. They ought not to do that. They shouldn't do this. But listen, the Bible says, If thy brother trespass against thee seven times in one day and he repent of it, forgive him. Impossible, right? Listen, I'm going to stand here and tell you, it is impossible it's impossible show me one person that's able to do it show me one person in their own strength who's able to do it it's impossible I think this is where many of us sit we sit here we think about what this person did or what that person did and we think there is no way I can forgive them they did it one time 10 years ago
1: and I still can't forgive them I know I've been here just can't do it my question to you
0: today is what does it mean to forgive again I can spend a great deal of time here and I probably will in the next couple of weeks but forgiveness in its simplest form in its simplest form I just want to give you two words forgiveness means to let go just let go see what we do is we hold on don't we oh they did that to me 10 years ago and uh, and we just hold on to that thing and we slightly maybe let a little bit of slack out and then we bring it back in and we say oh no you're not getting away with that and we let a little bit of slack out and think oh it's gonna get better and then wham they do it again and we grab a hold of that thing again forgiveness is simply Letting go. The question then is how do I let go when they keep doing wrong over and over and over and over? I haven't even made it to seven yet. And over and over again. How do I let go? They keep piling it on. The the stones keep showing up. The stones keep laying themselves in there. And Pastor Holland has done a great job. Listen, notice this. We can't grow spiritually when there are rocks under our soil we'll be choked out we'll be dried up how do we do this seems impossible doesn't it well the disciples thought so too don't feel bad about it all right the disciples who walked with jesus thought the exact same thing look what they said in verse five and the apostles said unto the lord (laughs) increase our faith (laughs) we can't do that increase our faith so number three very simply is this faith is imperative faith is imperative forgiveness is impossible however faith is imperative i don't want you to miss this i believe this the number one reason we can not forgive is that we don't have faith what are you talking about let me say that again The number one reason that we cannot forgive is that we don't have faith. Notice with me in verse 6. Disciples say increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed. We know that a mustard seed is the smallest on earth, right? Tiny. Tiny. If ye had the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted into the sea, and it should obey you. Wouldn't it be great? I remember when we first moved into our house, there were four trees, four uh, cedar trees on the side of our driveway. I hated them. I like snow, right? My only thought was, how in the world am I going to shovel my driveway and pile snow in those trees? So guess what? I said, be thou removed. And they went away with a lot of hard work. I didn't have a chainsaw. I had a handsaw. <laughs> Thanks, dear. <laughs> I had a handsaw. I hooked them up to the back of my vehicle, pulled them, and just began sawing, and it just, each one, one way after another. I did the same thing with the roots. Borrowed a chain, ripped them out, cut them all up, got them out of there, Wouldn't it be so much easier if you just say to a tree, hey, get out of here? It would be so much easier. Hey, come in here, right? Planting a tree is difficult too. And so we look at this passage and we go, okay, if I just have more faith, if I just have more faith, if I
1: just have more faith, I will be able to forgive. Eh,
0: Wrong. I have to have faith that I can forgive. Eh, Wrong. Don't miss this, okay? Jesus is not talking about the amount of their faith see the disciples and all of us think oh I need more faith increase my faith I need more faith it's not about the amount of your faith notice with me it's about the object of your faith you see remember the disciples they tried to cast out the demon the demon child And they couldn't do it, right? The nine, they're like, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says, because ye had no faith. It wasn't about their faith. Their faith was in themselves, so it's not about the amount of faith. Notice, it's about the object of your faith. The smallest, tiniest, little amount of faith placed in the right
1: person will move mountains, will move sycamore trees. Have you ever felt like that
0: no matter how much you do, or how much you try, you just can't seem to get anywhere. You're trying and trying and trying and you just can't seem like you can get ahead of it. And you might feel good for a little bit and then it draws you back down, and you might feel good for a little bit and then it pulls you back and you just can't seem to get anywhere. Do you ever feel like you're just, no matter how hard you work, you're just unprofitable? I hate that I hate that was one thing I loved about working on the farm is you could always look back and go look how many fence posts I put in today look I mean it was awesome you could say look how many fields we planted today or look how many uh, I mean just so many things that we could look back to it was very physical we could see what we were doing listen the job I'm in currently you don't get to see that that much in fact, sometimes it just seems like it's mounting and mounting and mounting. And you look back at your day and you just go, whoa, I think I created more work. I feel unprofitable. I want to, these two things are, are often, very often not correlated. But the Bible contextually gives them for a reason. Look at verse 7. Jesus is talking to his disciples still. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat"? i want you to just stop i'll try and explain this to you a little bit servants were made to serve and so they're out in the field guess what they're doing serving they're feeding cattle they're plowing fields they're doing all the things that they should be doing okay now i i did this right so this rings home to me when i came home guess what i wanted to do eat you know what my mother would make me do she would make me go weed whack everything that she didn't mow. And listen, if you ever see my house, weed whacking is not just a quick easy job. This is an hour to an hour and a half long job. And I hated it because we had very sandy soil. We lived kind of in an old gravel pit and so I'm, I'm not kidding you when I say rocks are hitting your face when you're weed whacking. So I hated it. I would rather do anything else but weed whack. But I want you to understand, I come home from the field, and guess what? I didn't get a meal. I had to go out and weed whack. I had to go do all this other stuff. This is exactly what's going on here. Look at verse 8. Instead of saying that, hey, go sit down and eat, what is he saying? Will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till i have eaten and drunken and and afterward thou shalt eat and drink again a master says to his servant you've come out of the field you don't get to eat now gird yourself get all cleaned up and start serving me my meal seems kind of selfish doesn't it seems kind of selfish like what in the world listen constant normal thinking back then verse 9 doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him i trow not no way Servants are supposed to do what servants are supposed to do. Servants are supposed to do what the master commands. Verse 10, so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you say, we are, notice, unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Listen, it doesn't matter how much this work, this servant does, don't miss this in the end it's not about the servant it's about the master doesn't matter how much work the servant does in the end it's not about the servant it's about the master he has worked hard he has continued to work hard and he is still called don't miss it unprofitable he has only done that which was his duty to do you say pastor how does this apply let me try to apply it we have people in this church walking around every single day every single day saying
1: the Lord told me I have to forgive I have to I guess I better
0: the Lord told me I have to I've been commanded to give or forgive excuse me
1: I'm forgiving you because the Lord said I have to man doesn't that sound spiritual want to be an unprofitable servant in forgiveness?
0: Try to do it in your own strength because you've been commanded to do so. Guaranteed, guess what? Guaranteed you'll be unprofitable. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you know that from experience? Well, I've tried, Pastor Shilmus, I've tried, I've tried to forgive, I've tried to forgive,
1: I've tried to give it all I can, and I just can't do it. If you
0: want to have victory and forgiveness, I want you to write this down. This is not new with me, but you have to let go and let God.
1: You you have to let go and let God. You have to let go and let God. Forgiveness is not about you doing more.
0: Forgiveness is about you trusting God. Increase our faith. Forgiveness is not about you doing more. It's about you trusting God. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. The Bible says this. Casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he careth for you. All your care. Forgiveness is about literally casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he careth for you. Does anybody know what chapter 5 and verse 8 says? Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Do you see the correlation? Cast your care upon the Lord and that devil walking about seeking whom he may devour can't touch you. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. We struggle with this because we want to control the situation, do we not? Somebody's hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them back. My spouse said this to me, so I'm going to give them that nasty old cold shoulder. Ooh. Uh, they did this to me so I'm not talking to them anymore they did this and they did that and I'm not going to be seen with them anymore and you better not be friends with them either because they did this and they did that and we've got all these things and we want to hold on and control the situation we want to make sure that person pays we want them to know that we are upset with them we want them to suffer don't miss this one we want them to suffer the way that we suffered That grudge and that bitterness, guess what, will only hold you in the trap longer. Faith is the victory. If you're in the habit of writing things down, I want you to write this down. Forgiveness by faith frees you from the fiery darts of our foe. Don't miss it. Forgiveness by faith frees us from the fiery darts of our foe. It's almost like you have this shield that protects you from every trap that Satan conceals. It's almost like you have this shield that no matter what comes, no matter what happens, you've got this shield that nothing can touch you. It's almost like Ephesians chapter 6. It's almost like Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 that says this Above all, taking the shield of what? Faith wherewith ye shall be able to what quench all the fiery darts of the wicked you want to stay away from the trap have the shield of faith have the shield of faith it's almost like forgiveness is the invincibility cloak not invisibility cloak invincibility cloak it's like satan can't touch you listen think about it very practically somebody hurts you you forgive them I'm not stuck in a trap I've forgiven them I've let it go and I've let God God can handle it vengeance is mine I will repay saith the Lord it's not me I don't have to make them pay that's God's job let go and let God Man, I'm walking around free as a lark listen forgiveness frees you of the liability I got nothing I don't want to be unprofitable I want to be profitable let me ask you this morning as I finish do you want to be free from the snare of Satan? Do you want to be free to take the next step forward in your Christian life? Do you want to be free? Do you want the hurt to go away? Do you want to be free to have the joy back in your life? Do you want to be free? To have the peace that passes all understanding very, very simply have faith in the Lord. Let go and let God. Let go and let God. Quit trusting in yourself to do it. Quit trusting in yourself to get over it. I just got to get over it. I just got to get over it. Not going to happen. Quit
1: trusting in the other person to make it right. They're probably not going to. You will only become unprofitable. Trust the Lord. Let him
0: handle it. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning.
1: We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I think this is absolutely needful.
0: And I'm going to have you do this not for my benefit or for the benefit of anybody around you, but simply for your benefit as a testimony to the Lord.
1: I'm going to ask you to raise your hands if this is true. How many of you would be honest enough to raise your hands and
0: simply say, I need to forgive someone? How many of you would be honest enough to raise your hand and say, I need to forgive someone?
1: If that's you, would you raise your hand? All right, you can put those down. Was several people. I don't say that to
0: say anything but this. We all have someone. We all have someone that we need to forgive. And quite frankly, hopefully today we realize that we just can't do it on our own. This morning I think we just need to quit trying and trying and just let God handle it. You will never take the next step in your Christian life. Don't miss this. You will never take the next step in your Christian life until you forgive. Our theme this year is reaching out. The best way to start reaching out is to begin by forgiving. I'm going to challenge you to make a decision today. As always, I challenge you to write it down. But again, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to challenge you to pray. Not just make a decision, but pray. Our, we call it our altar. The front of our, our platform is wide open. You can come up here and pray if you desire. If you desire, you turn around in your seat. Pray at your seat. If you desire, just sit there, pray. If you need someone to pray with. You just don't know if you can do this on your own. Actually, Pastor Holland, standing in the back. He would be glad to pray with you or point you to somebody who will pray with you. Whatever your need is, I want us all to pray and say, God, it's not me anymore. It's got to be you. Help me to forgive. Let's make a decision to forgive right now. Father, we thank you so much for this day,
1: this opportunity that you've given us. Father, we need you. It's quite obvious that we need you.